The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Sunday, January 23rd, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports I own college basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and I suppose we'll start with what was the uh, biggest game of the weekend, an SEC showdown between Kentucky and Auburn inside a sold-out and rowdy Auburn arena. Final score, Auburn 80, Kentucky 71. So Bruce Pearl's Tigers are now keeping track. 18-1 overall, 7-0 in the SEC, they got a 15-game winning streak. They're 5-1 in quadrant one, 9-1 in the first two quadrants, and perhaps, perhaps, most importantly, they're up to number five at Ken Palm and up to number five at Torvik. Point being that there's not really anything left in the predictive metrics for people who rank according to predictive metrics, you know who you are, to use to justify keeping Auburn outside of the top five on an AP ballot. As a result, I suspect the Tigers will move up on enough ballots Monday to pass Gonzaga and become number one in the Associated Press Top 25 poll for the first time ever. And I know you agree, dead leg. Auburn's going to be number one in the AP poll. Better late than never, right? Yeah, this is a this is a mortal lock. Only four voting points separated the teams last week. Now this is going to do it. If you're watching on YouTube, hello. Thank you for everyone for waiting. If you're listening the day after, well, you didn't have to wait at all because you're on your regular schedule. But we are about 20 to 30 minutes late. The Rams beat the Bucks. So, hello, everyone watching on YouTube. If you have not already, please give a thumbs up. I got something good for you coming in just a couple of minutes here. And Nada's got the uh, – he's got the, the final stats here from the stat broadcast, the split box there. Um, Auburn's going to be the number one team because they moved up enough in the metrics and they got more first-place votes last week. And the it just is going to take one – it could literally take one voter moving them up a few spots or it could be a few voters that had them at four going to three. So it's going to be – it's going to happen. Auburn's going to make program history. I think this is going to be the fifth different team we've had at number one this season, fifth different school. Um so all of that's awesome, uh, but I'm throwing it right back to you because you had the sideline duty. This is awesome. Career highlight kind of stuff to get this kind of game, biggest game in uh, the history of Auburn Arena. Granted, it's not a 90-year-old venue. It's been around less than 15 years, but I'm teeing you up. Take this where you want. You can talk game. You can talk experience or whatever, but I want to hear from you given that you got a you know up-close look, about as close as you could possibly get at Auburn uh, making history and Bruce Pearl yet again beating John Calipari in a big spot. Um, it was a terrific experience. You know, I found out I was going to be on the game last Tuesday. And um, so that, you know, as we discussed previously, had to uh, rearrange some plans and, um, you know, flew to Atlanta on Friday afternoon and then drove to Auburn on on Friday night. Uh, just FYI, if you're ever thinking about going to Auburn, there's no great way to get there. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a flight. It's a flight and a drive. 
first time I've rented a car in a while. And so made the, you know, about an hour and a half drive to Auburn, settled in the hotel and then got up bright and early um, on Saturday because I had to do a pregame interview that was on Inside College Basketball, 30 minute show just before Kentucky Auburn, had to do a pregame interview with uh, Bruce Pearl, like right around 10 a.m. So did that. And then they let the students in, I believe, around 1030. And Bruce came back out to speak to them. You probably saw that footage on Twitter somewhere. And then the the doors open to the general population and it just created an incredible basketball scene. Um, you know, it was loud. It was rowdy. It, um, it was as good as it gets. And, uh, you know, that, that, that arena is perfectly sized, like with few exceptions, you know, Kentucky, Kansas, you know, Indiana schools like that. I'm telling you, if I'm building an on-campus college basketball arena, it's going to be about 9,000 seats. Even if I've got a really good, um, you know, college basketball program, it creates demand. Um, you know, when you put 7,000 in it, it still looks great. You put 7,000 in an 18,000 seat arena, it looks terrible. You put 7,000 in a 9,000 seat, looks great. You put 9,000 in 9,000 seats. Well, now um, you've created uh, just an awesome situation. So, and, you know, I figured that Kentucky was going to be up against it from a road environment perspective right from the jump because you could see um, – and it, this is a Kentucky program that, you know, is is the biggest show in town every time they go somewhere with few exceptions. You know, John Calipari seen everything there is to see in this sport. Most of these players have as well to some degree. And you could still see it on their faces, like in three minutes before starting lineups, two minutes before tip, like they were looking around like, whoa, look at this. Like I even caught, you know, not caught, but, you know, I was, my setup was baseline near the Kentucky bench. And so just before tip off, I was standing around the Kentucky bench. I was, you know, three feet from, from the Kentucky bench. And so you could sort of see the interactions between Cal and the players and in, in, in between, you know, one player and another. And there was this moment where Kellen Grady was, you know, just sort of, um, uh, you know, you know, the pacing, you know, just sort of like, all right, let's, you know, it's almost time to go. And his eyes got real big. And he was like, you know, like the expression, the way I interpret it was, Whoa, boy, look at this place. This is, this is on fire. And it, it, it certainly created an incredible home court advantage for Auburn a home court advantage. That's going to be incredible for the rest of the season. I would assume. And then the game started at Kentucky look great. You know, they jumped out to a double digit lead. They led by 10 Auburn made a run. Kentucky countered with a run. And as I think most people who watch the game know um, with about, you know, I guess it was a, about 12 minutes into the game. Ty Ty Washington suffered a, a left ankle injury. And it was interesting watching him come to the bench because he was clearly hurt, but he was indicating to the training staff, like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Like he actually mouthed the words, I'm okay. And so, you know, uh, during the broadcast, I'd said, you know, he's clearly got a limp. He is seemingly indicating to the training staff that he thinks he's okay, but they're still going to take him to the back and, and look at this a little more closely. Well, they took him to the back and then we were told at halftime, he's not playing the rest of this game. He's out for the remainder. And we, at this moment, we still wait to 
to find out how long um, he'll be out if indeed he will miss additional time. But the game undeniably flipped when he was removed from it. Kentucky was up nine points when he went down. Um, UK ended up losing the game by nine points. So Auburn outscored Kentucky by 18 points in the final 28-24. More specifically, Auburn outscored Kentucky 64-46 in the final 28-24. I actually give Kentucky a lot of credit. Um, you know, like once Ty Ty went out, that should have been game set match. And yet, yet it wasn't, you know, Kentucky competed in the second half and, you know, it got, it, you know, got to that nine point gap late, but it was a, you know, it was a competitive game still in the, in the final minutes, but ultimately Kentucky couldn't get enough stops um, to slow down Auburn. Walker Kessler was just, you know, one lob after another. Auburn ends up shooting 56.8% from the field, 37.5% from three, 82.8% from the free throw line. So uh, the game lacked, I think, a real rhythm because Ty Ty went down, Xavier Wheeler went down. Um, There's just a lot of, a lot of stopped stoppages that, that sort of cre- uh, prevented, I think, from the game ever getting into a great rhythm. Um, but, you know, it's one of those days where you go, wow, it's, it's wild that I get paid to be here and do this because, um, you know, I, I don't go to as many games as I used to go to when I was just a writer. Um, uh, but I, I still like being in buildings when they're popping like that. And that was a, a, a really great, um, a, a great experience. I, you know, it was being called by the locals, the biggest game in Auburn arena history. And uh, I, I, it was cool that I got to be there for that. And then of course, Bruce's post-game interview with me, you know, he, he responded to an obvious question in a way that, that went viral. So I appreciate BP. Uh, turning our post-game interview into something that, you know, uh, got replayed over and over and over again. Man, that was a lot of talking. Just a lot of talking there, buddy. You, 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 you told means- me to talk. You told me to talk. Well, it's great to have you here. Good that to was be an here. awesome, awesome early birthday present, wasn't it? Oh, hey, one, one more uh, bit of advice if you're ever trying to go to Auburn. Um, if a game starts at noon central. Mm-hmm. Don't assume you can get back to the airport in Atlanta by 6.06 Eastern, 5.06 Central, because there's a chance you might miss your flight by 10 minutes, and then you're in the Delta Sky Club till 11.15 p.m. Miss my flight. All right. Well, that's, that's too bad. But I'm going to bring your mood up here. Paris's birthday is tomorrow. That's true. You know, I just feel like this thing we got going on right here, it's not adequate. It's not enough. We need to keep talking about Auburn and Kentucky. But I need someone else. Let that man in, Nada. Oh, my Whoa. goodness. Where am I? Look at that. It's, it's Sam Vecini. Norlander's had me locked in his garage for five years. What's going on? No wonder I started talking for a long time right at the – anything to keep Vassini's voice off the podcast, just like the good old days. You see how Vassini. pale I am? I've been locked in this man's garage for five years. I haven't been able to speak. We love it. Um, we might need to do some on-the-fly AirPod. Feels a little bit wonky. Might need to check that out. Sam Vecini is on the podcast for the first time, I believe, since 2017. 
This is my early birthday present to Parrish. We will have plenty with Vicini on this episode to come. Parrish had no idea this was happening. What time is it in what time is it in Australia right now? It is 10:42. It is uh, a perfect time for me to hop on. I've got I've got Chiefs and Bills coming on here in a minute. I'll be going with that. I just finished the game that you were at, Kentucky Auburn. Just got a chance to watch that late because I was a little bit busy yesterday. So I'm here. I'm ready. Let's do this. It was wild what you guys did to that tennis player down there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's something we definitely want to talk about. Right. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that, that seems like a you, you know what? There's probably a lot of college basketball listeners that are very, very into uh very into talking about the Novak Djokovic problem here. Hey, oh, oh, hey, seriously, since we have you here, um, let me ask you this, because it's uh, right He's in here your, for the whole show, just so you realize. In your line of expertise, um, as uh, Tai Tai Washington went down and then Xavier Wheeler, um, it looked like he is gonna be, was going to be gone for the game, too, but he came back and, and competed. But, boy, I'm telling you, I was two feet from him um, when he came to the bench after running into another screen, and he was – he looked dazed. I, you know, I don't want to diagnose him. him. Yeah, but yeah. like he looked dazed. And um, so there was some thought that Kentucky should bring Shaden Sharp in then. And then there's some additional thought now that, okay, depending on how long Ty Ty is out, um, we need to get him up to a place where he's able to actually compete. Uh, first, I, insanity think they should have put him in that game yesterday. That would have been a suicide mission. Like you don't, you just like under no circumstances are you taking a reclassed, just enrolled player and putting him against the number one team in the country in that environment. That that's, well, that's and and beyond that, even we Kyle Tucker and I over at the Athletic, we wrote a story about this. We talked to people in Kentucky. Uh, we've talked to kind of all of the stakeholders here, right? Shaden Sharp hasn't really even gone through like a full practice yet. Like it's mostly been walkthroughs from what we gather. Like he's just getting acclimated, getting, uh, you know, set up at Kentucky. And he's not even like playing full practices. Like he's not even going hard yet. So I don't, I, I, I agree with you. Like it would have been crazy to put that man in. Like it would have been insane. Like you cannot do that. And that's something that John Calipari never would have done. Like I, I completely uh, believe John Calipari whenever he says I'm all for the kids I'm all for uh, making sure these kids are in position not only for me to get the most out of them but also uh, for them to get the most out of their experience at Kentucky putting him in in that game in that environment two weeks in where he hasn't gone through a practice that would have been the antithesis of setting him up for success. Yeah, yeah. So that, like, I won't even entertain that um, suggestion that he should have played against Auburn. But the more interesting question, and I think a reasonable question, is should he play this season? And I don't care anything. I've heard some people like, "What well, do you want to waste a year of eligibility? This guy's not doing four years of college. Like the eligibility years doesn't matter. Um, like he, he could he could burn a year of eligibility on one game, and it would not matter. He's not he's not going to exhaust his eligibility at the collegiate level. So I do think it's a reasonable question. Should should he play this season? And I think the answer is if he can help. And if he can help without hurting himself, John sort of hinted at this yesterday. He didn't say it exactly like this, but he is projected right now by most to be a top five, top 10 pick in the 2022 NBA draft. Yeah. If putting him out there exposes him and cost him that, then I don't think you do it. But if he can help your team without hurting himself, 
then I think it's sensible. And that's something the Kentucky staff and Shaden's parents are going to have to figure out. Yeah, totally agree. I also think it depends on what his plans are, because obviously the reason that this is exploded in some regard is due to the ESPN report saying that he can apply for the 2022 NBA draft. If you notice, there's a difference between can apply for the 2022 NBA draft and is like categorically eligible for the 2022 NBA draft. And I think that there is still some question in regard to that. Like the NBA teams I've talked to about it aren't a thousand percent sure on it yet. Now, if John Gavoni wrote it, I'm sure John's right. And I'm sure that he has some sort of inkling that it's very likely that he could get into the 2022 draft if he decides to apply and decides to go away from the plan that has been there the entire time since he committed to Kentucky to attend for this year, essentially do it as a redshirt year, and then go back for a year in 2022-23. Now, if his plans have changed and he does want to enter the 2022 NBA draft, he should not play. Like just two years ago, Gary, you have as good of an experience with this as anyone. James Wiseman shuts it down after a couple of games. That man still goes number two overall in the draft, despite the fact that, frankly, his game is a lot a lot more raw than what Shaden Sharps is. That's not to say that he is a better or worse prospect than Shaden Sharp. It's just going to take him longer to succeed in the NBA level, I think, than what Shaden Sharp is. Whether or not James has a higher upside, I think, remains to be seen. But NBA evaluators, they're fine taking the gamble on the secrecy of this all. They're fine, you know, especially in a draft like the 2022 NBA draft that is not shaping up to be all that strong. Are you going to take a flyer on Shaden Sharp at number nine overall? Or are you going to take, I don't know, Ben Matherin out of Arizona, who looks like a really good player? I think he's going to be maybe a borderline NBA starter in the NBA, might turn into that. Or are you going to take the guy that you think can be a legit 20 to 25 point per game scorer who is a high level NBA athlete? I know which one I'm taking. Right. I'll say that. Uh, and I think that most NBA teams would likely take Shaden Sharp. So if he's planning on entering the 2022 draft, I think he should not play like just straight up. It is not good for him to play. There's no reason for him to play, but if he's not entering the 2022 draft, he's planning on being back at Kentucky, then yeah, sure. Get the experience. I think it'd probably be valuable as long as he can help the team. Very good, man. This feels good though. Back in the mix. <laughs> wanted to get him in like first four or five minutes. Paris. I knew Paris. I wanted to tee Paris up. So anyway, um, good stuff. We will have a bit more. I got it for everyone watching unfamiliar with the Vassini era. If you're not an older listener, I'm going to have a get to know Sam Vassini rapid fire Q and a later in the podcast here. My quick thoughts on Auburn, Kentucky, if I may, by the way, Sam might've cracked more time talking on this episode <laughs> In the previous 39 of them combined. Um, I'm, con- I'm conscious of it now. Like, I'm just sitting, I'm just going to sit here and shut up for a minute. Absolutely wonderful. Sam, your levels sound great, by the way. Um, great, great stuff. Okay, so, yeah, if I still think Auburn wins that game, even if you don't have a severe wheeler running into these screens. Like, somebody look out for our guy out there, man. If that doesn't happen, the tie-tie injury, which... I believe it was Adam Zagoria who reported on Sunday that it's not expected to be a long-term thing, which is good. You just kind of hoped it was one of those like really, you know, 
wincing kind of uh, of injuries, he couldn't return. As long as he's back, I don't have too much concern about Kentucky. Auburn wins in a huge spot. I think it's significant for Auburn to have played as well as it did in that spot. And again, kind of what we talked about on the Friday podcast, it was a variety of different things. But the more I watch Auburn and the more I see, like, you know, Walker Kessler's development, Jabari Smith is a joke. I'm still not there. And if you want to do this real quick, we can because we got Sam on the pod. I'm still not there for sure that Jabari Smith should go ahead of, of Paolo Bancaro. But it is getting harder and harder to not have that opinion with each passing game. He is just so smooth, reliable on both ends, great field, doesn't force anything, wonderful passer, really good rebounder. Bancaro's awesome as well. I think this is it's wonderful to have kind of this one versus two. I feel like Chet's a little bit further back, but maybe Sam disagrees. But damn. Jabari Smith and Kessler, as they continue to, to move along, uh, Auburn's got a real, real good case as not just being the number one team in the country for rankings, just playing the best of anyone. They stepped up huge in a huge moment at home. The scenes coming out of there were, were fantastic. Uh, so I'll just volley it back to Sam. Jabari Smith, should he be slash will he be the number one pick in June? Yeah, right now I would take him at number one for a lot of the reasons that you just said, right? He is reliable on both ends of the court. I think he's a potential difference maker on the defensive end with the way that he moves his feet laterally. You look at the way the NBA is going. I mean, these guys who can actually slide and be switchable defensively, it's so important. Uh, he can also protect the weak side of the rim. Obviously, Walker Kessler does a majority of that job for Auburn because he's such a force inside, but... I mean, I'm really, really impressed with Jabari Smith and his attitude on defense. I really like that he has become more physical as a rebounder. That's a very physical Kentucky team. I remember, I believe it was either late in the first half, early in the second half. He got contacted going up for a defensive rebound, skied way above the rim, had his right arm like above the square, essentially, to pull down this rebound, grabs and goes, starts a transition opportunity. I think the reason that personally I would take him over Paulo Bancaro has to do with the defensive ability, in addition to what I think is some real potential offensive ability off the bounce. You look at him, he can grab and go on the break. He is capable of, uh, you know, taking pull-ups, you know, off of these grab and goes and creating pull-up three-point shots. There was that stretch in the first half in that game where, you know, he takes, I think, like a two-dribble pull-up where he pump fakes Keon Brooks out of his shoes and then takes like a 15 footer and nails it. Hits like a one dribble fadeaway pull up from the left uh, or right side of the court. And then just like catches and shoots off of a jab step over Keon Brooks again for three. Like this is stuff that is ridiculous. On top of that, he is still 18 years old. I mean, this kid is just scratching the surface of who he is. He's almost, I believe like a full year younger than Chet Holmgren. Uh, which is just crazy to think about. And that's not to downgrade what Chet is. It's more just to accentuate how impressive it is that Jabari Smith has been able to do what he's been able to do thus far at Auburn. Uh, the shooting is genuinely special. Right. Uh, there are not many guys that are six foot 10 that can shoot at the level he can. It's smooth. It's confident. It, it's great off of pull-ups. It's great off the catch. It's everything that you're asking for. Uh, I would take him at number one because I think the upside is just higher. If all of the tools come together, Jabari Smith's, I think, the guy, even though if I had to win a college basketball game tomorrow, I probably would take Paulo Bancaro, to be honest. Yeah, like uh, I've been on Paulo Bancaro should be the number one pick in the 2022 draft the entire time. I'm at least now yeah. open to 
you know, Jabari Smith has to be considered. First off, um, you know, when you stand next to him, he's legit 6'10". Like, it's not a it's not a exaggerated height. He's 6'10". Um, some intangible stuff, we've talked about this before. He's the son of a professional basketball player. Uh, I know, I think Sam would agree with this, uh, front office executives value that, you know, in, in a real way now. Um, you know, when I talked to Bruce Pearl about it, he said, it, you know, people think that being the son of a professional athlete, it's like, well, you know, he can see what it's like to be a pro. It's like, yeah, you can see all the positives growing up. Like you're around it, you see it, you know what it takes. You also see the other side of it. You know, you've got a dad who can tell you what to avoid, what you have to stay away from, what not to do. The, the what not to do is often just as important as the what to do. So all of that's good stuff. You know, talking to Bruce uh, about him, you know, in advance of the game, he said the other thing, and you'll never be able to see this in a game, but he's everybody's best friend. He's he's mm. he, his teammates love him. Like he's if you ask our players who's your who's your best friend on our team, they'll all say Jabari Smith. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but like his he's everybody's best friend. Is the way Bruce put it, his teammates love him. Another point Bruce made about him, he said the reason he's shooting so well isn't just because he's a great shooter, which he is. You know, it's a, it's a high release point on a 6'10 frame. It's a consistent release point. But he's not just shooting a great percentage because he's a great shooter. It's also because he really only takes great shots. He doesn't take yeah. bad shots. Now, when I was talking to Bill Raftery about it, Bill was like, I kind of want him taking more shots. You know, I, I, I'd like to see him get more involved. But and, and, and I, I suspect it'll be one of those situations where when when it's time to go, he'll go. You see that sometimes with prospects like they'll play and play. Hey, it's time to go now. Take us over and he'll be ready to take that over. I think he's capable of that. But um, the, the one thing Raf said was like, you know, I, I just I'd like to see him be a little more. I, you know, if it means taking a, a bad shot to get four more shots, I'm happy. I'm I'm cool with that. Like, let's he's the most talented guy in this building but you know everything you see is great and honestly everything you hear about him is also yeah. pretty great yeah no i can back that up as well any time i've talked to nba executives any sec coaches i've talked to they've said the same thing just an elite level kid uh great character uh like uh, not necessarily on the quieter end but not like the most demonstrative guy necessarily keeps a very even keel keeps calm keeps cool keeps collected uh just a, just a very, very high level kid to kind of speak to Bill Raftery's point. Who am I to disagree with Bill Raftery? You know, just one of the legends, one of the best, but I think that part of the reason that he is not as aggressive as he is has to do with the fact that he's not the most comfortable ball handler right now. Like he's not like Paulo Bancaro where he can phone like, ball handle in a phone booth, right? And go like right to left crossover, left to right crossover in the mid range. Like, I don't think his handle is tight enough to do that yet. And I think that that is kind of what separates him. It's all in a straight line. It's all to get to his pull up game, all to get to his step back game. Cause that's what he's most comfortable with. And he's such a good shooter that he can do that where there's probably a little bit more room for him is maybe bending a little bit more on those drives and getting all the way to the rim. Uh, instead of, you know, stopping and pulling up in the mid-range or, like, trying to cross someone over them off bounce, right? Like, that's what I like to see him do a little bit more, try to get all the way to the rim attacking a closeout. But he's so good as a shooter that, like, it's hard to say. But I, I think that that's why we see him take, what, like, 10 shots per game as opposed to the 
14 shots per game he probably could take if he wanted to. Uh, it, it's more of a ball handling thing. I think that like it's just not quite there yet. And he's such an unselfish guy that he wants to get Katie Johnson involved. Although I don't think anyone needs to tell Katie Johnson to get involved. Well, well that's uh, the uh, that's the <laughs> other point I was going to make. Like, what's so interesting about this Auburn basketball team to bring it back to the college basketball team is that you've got a transcendent star in Jabari Smith. Um, and then you got Katie Johnson, who's an, a very good college basketball player, who is willing to go get his, who who wants yeah. to take it on. And I don't know, man, the pieces seem to really fit good together. And that's why, um, you know, this team's got a legitimate chance to, to win the national title. I mean, real, right. real quick, can, yeah. can, can you remember a more perfect fit than Katie Johnson, like, frankly, stomping around? And I mean this in a positive way, like stomping around like a maniac out on mm -hmm. the court. And that Auburn crowd just following him and going nuts behind him. It's amazing. Like, I, I love it so much. I love watching Auburn just because of Katie Johnson. Basically. He is absolutely their X factor just in terms of what he brings. Energy makes big plays. They got all sorts of dudes. Auburn is super fun. They are not just really good. They're very, very fun to watch. And for the crowd that, for instance, isn't keyed into a college basketball podcast in late January and might start tuning in after Valentine's Day every March, uh, once you get to Auburn, they're going to be supremely watchable. And uh, this team's floor uh, is just super, 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 super high. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, GP, we have spent 28 minutes here on, on Kentucky Auburn. There's still plenty to get to. Um, for you, and you obviously, you know, at this game, then you're on the road plenty, had to get home. Uh, we got into that. But what else to you sticks out uh, that you want that you want to hit on, my man? Your birthday tomorrow. Call the shots. What do you want to do? Well, um, you know, we can move on from Auburn, Kentucky. It was, uh, it was just a ter terrific uh, experience to be there. Um, now we wait on an official update uh, from John Calipari about Ty Ty Washington's ankle. Um, you know, uh, Kentucky's next game is Tuesday with Mississippi State. Like Mississippi State's good, not great, but good. And without Ty Ty, that, that, that could be difficult. Auburn next up at Missouri, and again, they should be playing that game as the top-ranked team in the Associated Press Bowl for the first time in, in, in school history. Um, let's keep it in the state of Kentucky, though, for a moment, because Louisville lost again this weekend. 82-70 at home to Notre Dame. The Cardinals have now dropped four of their past five, all to unranked teams. They're 11-8 with losses to Furman, DePaul, Pitt, NC State, the fan base seems to be turning on Chris Mack. So, Norlander, I'll let you have this first. How surprised are you that this is going so poorly 
for Chris Mack because I did not expect this at all. Big picture, obviously surprised. Remember when he got the gig and on this, under the circumstances in which he took the job, he had a really good contract. It enabled him an extra year. Should there be any, you know, NCAA sanctions, postseason bans, and then his program got into trouble uh, last year with the extortion, et cetera, et cetera. We didn't think that Louisville would get to this kind of low that it's currently at under Mac. This is his fourth season. First season, they make it uh, as a seventh seed. They actually get upset by Minnesota in the first round. Had there been a 2020 tournament, Louisville was a top 25 level kind of team. You know, reasonably, you could expect it would at least one, at least a game, if not made the second weekend. Last season, the surprise team that did not get into the tournament was the Louisville Cardinals. And that might have in part led to the staff shakeup that Chris Mack decided to do. And now they're sitting here with an 11-8 record, five and four in the conference and have dropped four of the past five. Um, the, uh, the temperature on the program has been cool a bit, in part because Chris Mack was op- he was open after they got dropped at Pitt last weekend about he wasn't quite sure what he was going to be able to do to motivate his guys. Things weren't going to change until they could get motivated. I'm I'm paraphrasing to a great degree. And then later in the week, uh, Tim Sullivan, who is a columnist in Louisville, asked Mac about that. Then they had a little bit of a back and forth, and Mac said he didn't say the things that he said, but it might have been misinterpreted. And then Sullivan again, after the loss to Notre Dame, 82-70, uh, he asked Malik Williams this, and this is uh, this was the um, the quick back and forth between Sullivan and Williams. Uh, Williams seems to be a bit off mic, so he might be a little softer than Sullivan's question, which starts this bite. Sometimes we just don't bring it. Just don't bring it. Do you think the players are, are still responding to this coaching staff, or are they tuning them out? I don't have a comment for that. So quite the uh, now, I don't think that's necessarily reflects bad on Mac. You got to take into account the the columnist in question. He might not have just wanted to to talk out of turn. Period. I don't necessarily think that he's got an issue with Mac overall or anything like that. But you just you know the the signs start to 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 build up here. So I don't know. Um, I think there are some Louisville fans that that are ready to potentially move on. I don't expect that to be the case. I have, you know, you start to get a little bit of a flavor with fan bases when uh, they'll find you, uh, be it your mentions or email or whatever. You just kind of, you see local reports and it does seem like a a section of this fan base has actually turned on Chris Mack and they prefer that a change is made at the end of the season. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, But then again, this is a university that, you know, is undergoing a search for a new athletic director and, and change could be afoot, but it's not good right now. And Louisville is not heading toward the NCAA tournament. This is going to be a bit of a lost season. I mean, God, you, you said that was a short clip that, that pause from when right. the question yes. was asked until Malik Williams, yeah. like answered it. That was like interminable. That I was agree. the longest thing. You, you're saying that like, you think some of the fan base has turned. I've like kind of done like a little Twitter search on Chris Mack after their losses, just, out of curiosity to see what the temperature is. I don't think it's a little bit of their fan base. I think that it's well over a majority of their fan base has kind of turned. And I don't know. It, it It's hard because like some of the stuff that like Mac does where like, you know, he acts like he didn't say that the team is tuned him out. I mean, what, 
just like, what are we doing here? Like you're creating your own problems. Like why, why are you, why are you just not acknowledging, Hey, maybe, maybe I misspoke a little bit. Maybe the team is, you know, is here for me. Maybe I'm good. Uh, or maybe, maybe I need to do a better job. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems like there is a real lack of accountability and that's a shame. Uh, I, I'm surprised that it's gone this way. I did not expect Chris Mack to be as bad as it's been. I mean, this is a team that was ranked number one in the country when Mack was there. Yeah. What was that, like three weeks ago or three years ago? I'm sorry. It had three, it had three <laughs> weeks ago, and you're right. It certainly think... wasn't three weeks ago, but yeah. like three years ago when he got there, like they were ranked number one in the country for two years or two weeks. I'm sorry. <laughs> and this uh, – this has turned as quickly as it has. It's pretty staggering to me that it's turned this way, but if it keeps going this way, it's going to be hard. I think for them to bring him back. That's expensive. I don't know. May, well, that, that, I, that, I have that, the details of his contract in front of me and maybe they can figure that out. I get, I get all that. Um, but well, well the, the, the thing that's interesting too, is I wonder if they try to go for cause because of the suspension at the beginning of the year. And then there's a settlement. May, uh, I mean, maybe maybe, maybe the they Kevin can't Ollie, do that. Kevin Ollie news. I'm I would hesitate with that as well. But yeah, yeah. Kevin Ollie is about to get paid, and we talked about that on Friday podcast. Go ahead, GP. What's interesting to me about this is, and I think Sam makes a good point. Like you know, Chris has maybe said some things that could have been put differently or or taken back, maybe not said at all. And I, I thought about this in some other situations recently. Um, Chris is going through at real adversity. First time in his entire coaching career. Yeah. He's never struggled. He was at Xavier I mean, for yeah. nine G- seasons, made G- eight in the tournament. He has never had to apply for a job. He got the Xavier job right after Sean Miller got it because he was the lead assistant there. The Louisville coaching search wasn't really a search. Like he was the guy the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is a guy that's never gone through adversity. He's never had to even apply for a job. He's just gotten jobs. Well, that's the thing. So he's Xavier at nine seasons, eight NCAA tournaments, four Sweet Sixteens, and Elite Eight, all-time winningest coach at his alma mater. Um, everything had always. I, 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 I want to be careful the way I say this because I don't want it to be misinterpreted. Everything has not always been easy. That suggests that things have just come easily. Like he's worked hard. He's very good at what he does. He's a smart guy. Um, but but everything has worked for him. His entire head coaching career. And now suddenly for the first time, it's not. And I, you know, it makes sense to me that you might not know how to handle that, given that, you know, you've never had to even think about how to handle uh, failure or, you know, obstacles when it comes to, I don't know, like Chris is, you know, older than I am and he's never had professional uh, setbacks. He's never struggled to get the job done. One way or another, he's always got the job done. Now he's struggling. Can't do it. I don't want to say can't do it. Not doing it. It's not happening. And so I'm not surprised. I'm not trying to make excuses for him. I'm just trying to explain maybe the reason sometimes he's sort of saying things that you wouldn't say or I wouldn't say is because he really is genuinely scrambling here. Like, what is happening? How did this get away from me? Because it does feel like it's it's gotten away from him. He's about to miss the NCAA tournament for – the second consecutive year. How about this? I looked this up today. It blew my mind. First off, Rick Patino never missed two straight NCAA tournaments at Louisville. Mm-hmm. And, and Rick made 10 straight before he was fired. And it would have been 11 straight if they didn't have a postseason ban in 2016. All right. So if you're wondering why Louisville fans are freaking out, 
They've never dealt with this before, or at least not in a long time, because check this out. Guess who else never missed the NCAA tournament two times in a row? It never happened under Denny Crum? Never happened under Denny Crum. Wow. That's a hell of a stat. So last year, yeah, trivia time. Trivia time. The last Louisville coach to miss two straight NCAA tournaments was who? I don't know who predates Denny Crum. I was going to say 66, 67 is my guess, though. The years are 1970 and 71. The coach's name is John Dromo. John Dromo. John Dromo. I've never heard that name in my life. Same. Same. Who is John Dromo? It's been that long. This is going to be the first time in 50-plus years. Now, let me let me let me frame it properly. Ah, last year, crumb first year, Patino. They that's exactly we, right. They have missed it two years in a row. I felt there was a little. Yeah, OK. They missed it two years in a row. The first year of that was the last year of Denny Crum. And the second year of that was the first year of Rick Patino. But Rick Patino never missed it twice in a row. Denny Crum never missed it to- twice in a row. The only Louisville, the last Louisville coach who did. The legend John Dromo. <laughs> Homo. Uh, here's what's up next for Louisville. They got a game on Monday at Virginia, which, oh, by the way, is also has has its own abnormal issues. And uh, though it made the tournament last season, got bumped one and done against Ohio. So, you know, that's a desperation game. Then they've got Duke, Louisville has Duke at home, home to a likely desperate UNC team at Q's, the return game at Notre Dame, which is maybe sneaking into the tournament picture. Let's see what Mike Bray can do. So, as we sit and talk Sunday night, eleven and eight for the cards, and it could they could be flirting with a five hundred record as they get into February. Dude, well, and, and let's just let's just like call this out too. Like they're five and four in the ACC. The ACC is pretty bad this year. So like, how much does that mean? Not a lot. But like, they have enough games here where if they would go on a reasonable run, and we all think this team's reasonably talented. Like Malik Williams is a good interior presence. Noah Locke is like a former Power Five starter. Uh, I think Dre Davis is pretty good. I think Samuel Williamson is obviously a former McDonald's All-American. Like they have talent on this team. I mean, I, I, the way they're playing, it's worth counting them out. But like if they go on a run here, they beat Duke next Saturday. They beat, uh, you know, Wake Forest, who sneakily is actually really good and probably should be an NCAA tournament team. Like they could get to the point where they're in the genuine conversation. Their season's not over yet. It just feels that way because they're playing like a team that doesn't want to be on the court with one another. That's the problem. Like, this isn't one of these deals where the team might not be good enough. Like, this is one of those deals where it seems like the team's gotten just gotten messed up a little bit. Like, there's a disconnect there. And that can become very difficult to recover from on the fly, particularly when the ACC does stink. But Kimpon projects them to be underdogs in the next 10 games each of the next 10 like so is that really the circumstances under which you turn it around i mean maybe but i wouldn't bet on that and we've talked a lot about the most disappointing teams in the season you know memphis uh michigan um you know louisville started 36th at ken palm and is now 108th you know michigan and memphis haven't dropped like that in 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 that ranking they've dropped 72 spots and so it's been really bad, and I do I do remember when Chris took the job. Um, we wondered on this podcast, like, is it really a no brainer to do this? And you know, because like, 
you've got Xavier rocking. He just had been a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Again, he he had that built to a place where it was consistently really good. And it's your alma mater. And, you know, Louisville is you're following a legend. You're 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 taking over a program that's still got NCAA issues hanging above it. I just remember wondering, not not insisting or suggesting even, but just wondering, like, are we sure this is what he ought to do? And I think ultimately the answer was probably yes. You know, probably. Yeah, you take the Louisville job. It's so much more money. And if you kill it at Louisville, they'll be able to pay you whatever you need to make. You know, if, they, if at Louisville, if they got to pay you $10 million a year to keep you, they can do that. That's not something I don't think you can do at Xavier. So I, I, I want to be clear. I think the answer to that question, it was, is still, yeah, he probably had to do it. But I remember wondering if it was a no brainer, the way some people thought it was a no brainer. Um, now, um, you know, even with the benefit of hindsight, probably had to do it. But even in your worst nightmares, I don't think you had it, had it twisting around in in reaching the point where it's at right now because um yeah i like i I think i'm I'm more with norlander here i think he'll be back next season just because like they owe him a billion dollars and they could try to fire him for cause but like good luck with that um because you know what though man like you just said they can pay a coach 10 million dollars and keep him that means they can they pay can a coach a billion dollars. Yeah, that's the thing. Now that's a good point. You know, when you can pay a coach whatever you want, um, that also means you can come up the money to get rid of a coach if that's what you want to do. And, and, and look, I'm it. not even like advocating to fire Chris Mack. Like I'm, I'm not. It's just that you know, I, I think this is a more precarious situation for him than what I could have honestly even come close to expecting this year, and that's a stunner to me. Yeah. Uh, so uh, elsewhere this weekend, I'll, I'll you know, bounce through a few results. You guys take it wherever you want to take it. Michigan State won at Wisconsin. That was on Friday night. Kind of got overshadowed, um, but that, that's obviously a massive win. Wisconsin was one of those teams that had a great resume, not strong computer numbers to back it up. And, um, you know, they, I guess they were always on at risk of getting caught, and, and they got caught uh, Friday night. Uh, on Saturday, Duke beat Syracuse 79-59. Orange are now 9-10. and 10. That's not great. Kansas came from 17 down to win at Kansas State. Tennessee beat LSU 64-50. Iowa State lost again, this time at home to TCU. Loyola Chicago took a home loss to Missouri State. Like that's like Missouri State's pretty good, but mm-hmm. still, you don't want to lose at home. Uh, Marquette uh, beat Xavier on Sunday to extend its winning streak to six games. Michigan blasted Indiana, 80-62. Any of that or anything else from the weekend interest you? We'll start with you, Norlander. All right. Um, I'm actually going to start with something to mention. I got to I got to bring this up, and I got a trivia time. Kansas State junior. Ayoka Lee, women's basketball, dropped 61 on Sunday against a ranked top 15 Oklahoma women's team. She went 23 of 30 from the floor, had 61 and didn't hit a three-pointer. 12 rebounds, phenomenal stuff. So you go, you get 61 in the game, uh, good on you. Broke the record set by, I got this up real quick, hold on here, uh, set by Rachel Bannum from Minnesota yeah. in 2016, and then Cindy Brown, as GP well knows, Long Beach State back in 87, dropped 60. So Ayoka Lee. Did it surprise you that did did it surprise you? Maybe I'm just off here. When I heard she just set the all-time record with 61, I was like, I figured somebody's done more than 61 before. 
women's game it had never happened and she didn't uh, she's she's a six six center um and has been a, she was you know one of the best fresh she's a junior now was one of the best freshmen in the big 12 and uh, you know all first team big 12 as a sophomore but a little bit surprising uh no threes and 61 points that's super old school trivia time all right let's go come on let sam go first well you're both gonna guess but yes okay i i I spent a good 20 minutes on this pre-podcast, so I think this is the right answer. Oh, Last right. time, a men's D1 player had 61 in a game. Who was it? What year? Don't oh, cheat and look at the chat. 61 oh. in a game. I mean, it's- like, I remember that, like, Eddie House went on that run for Arizona State. Like, no, no. <laughs> it wasn't Eddie House. Very good. No. Credit Sam with a trivia time victory. Seriously? Norlander took 20 minutes to do something Sam got off the top of his head. Next time, just text Sam, dummy. You've got to be kidding me. Next time, just text (laughs) Sam. Eddie House is the answer. Crazy. Had 61. Oh, my. I don't think this has happened since 2000. I couldn't get, like, the years, like, 04 to 09, but I don't think it's happened. I think we would remember it. Eddie House... January 2061 against Cal in double overtime. What's Last the record for Division One men's basketball? I've got the record. It's a, it okay. happened for a player in a non-D1 team. In 91, the opponent makes sense that this would happen. Kevin Bradshaw of Alliant International. I want to say someone did a story on him in the past, like, five years. He had 72 against Loyola Marymount. I was going to say Loyola Marymount. January 5th, 91, uh, Kevin Bracha holds the record for points scored against a D1 team. Frank Selvey technically has the record, but Furman versus Newberry, and that's a not, so he played for Furman. He had 100, and Newberry's a non-D1, so 100 has actually happened. There's a few more beyond Bradshaw. And then what's even more ridiculous, the record for two D1 teams in a game is Maravich 69 without a three-point shot against Alabama in 1970. I mean, Pete Maravich 69 in a 40-point college game without a three-point shot is absurd, but that's he also had a 66-point game. He had a 64-point game. He had a 61-point game. It was just, you know, playing for his father, Press. Uh, there you go. Sam, incredible one and done. Incredible. That's, that's the luckiest pool, I think. Like, Because I remember that, that was when I was like, I was probably nine years old, nine or 10 when that happened. And it's one of those things just like watching him like go off for two weeks straight for Arizona state. Like for whatever reason, one of those things that sticks in your brain that that's it. Like Eddie house just going nuts. The most thank recent, God, thank, thank God those games weren't on the PAC 12 network. Think about how awful that would have been. <laughs> would have been a problem. I know. Would have been, like Imagine what that would have done to Eddie house's legacy. Uh, uh, yeah, you're true. You're absolutely right about that, GP. Uh, ben Woodside of North Dakota State. You may recall this, GP, because um, he dropped 60 uh, in 2008 playing for North Dakota State against Stephen F. Austin. So not quite 61, but that happened in the past uh, 15 years. So I wanted to start big time shout 61 in the game. You're getting a mention on the uh, on the. OK, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Pod. Marquette is uh, – you, you haven't in your rankings yet, but they're going to be ranked. MGP, you got to have them top 20. I already have point. them. They're top, I've got them okay. 25th right now. i got to figure out if I want to move them up after here's – the, here's, This is where I always um, struggle. I, I'm always conflicted. Teams playing incredibly well. If you look at how they've been playing lately, you probably put them in the top 20. If you look at the entire body of work, it's not top 20. Okay, but second most quad one wins in the country. Now, the losses still count, but after today, I'm pretty sure they're number two and they're tied with like three or four other teams and quad one wins. That's why I thought you Yeah, Baylor's got seven, and I think Marquette's got six. Uh, Auburn might – I know Baylor's got more than anybody else, and and Marquette is up there pretty good. Okay. Um, All right, real quick, let me tour around the the weekend here. Uh, Wake Forest getting the 98-76 win. Uh, First of all (laughs) – the ACC Network said it was the most points scored on North Carolina since 2003. And I tweeted out, it definitely was not. <laughs> that was not the case. So I don't know what happened there. It's not the most scored on UNC. Malik Monk and, uh, had like, you know, 40 in that Vegas CBS Sports Classic game when they had 103. But here's what I do have. Uh, Demon Deacons, 98 against UNC, was the most scored uh, by any Wake team, period, in a 40-minute game since 0405, which is huge. Jake LaRavia had 31, 10, and 4. LaRavia is the fourth player in the past 10 years to get 30 and 10 against UNC. The other three, Jabari Parker, RJ Barrett, Zion Williamson, and Jake LaRavia. Good for him, dude. Alondis Williams, by the way, had 23. Uh, You know, we'll save our weight. You can comment if you want, but we'll save the weight stuff as we kind of spin forward into February. Uh, Steve Forbes has a tournament team. They are really, really good. Um, UNC fans probably happy. We focus more on Chris Mack and Louisville than the Tar Heels. I still generally believe in the Tar Heels. We're not, we're not there at that point, but I know they're getting really antsy because the team's been poor away from home. Um, before I continue, any quick thoughts on, on the demon Deacons and what they did there from either of you? Yeah. I mean, I've been on the Jake LaRavia hype train for like, you know, two months now. He's really good. Like he is a legit potential NBA prospect. I keep bringing him up to NBA teams and agents. And they're like, he's like a six foot eight white kid. That's like not that athletic. Like, what are we doing here? And I'm just like, I'm telling you, watch him play, watch the way his feel for the game works. Just watch the way he thinks about it. He is awesome. He is a legit all ACC player this year. Uh, Alondis Williams is really, really good. Uh, Isaiah Musis is a guy that I've always really liked from when I saw him in high school. And it just took him a few years to figure it out, but he's turned into a really valuable 3 and D guy for Wake. Uh, The other guy that's really helpful for them is Dallas Walton, the center that they got from Colorado. He dealt with injuries at Colorado, but, uh, you know, as long as he can play 30 minutes and deal with just running up and down the court and everything that comes with it, he's an athletic big man that – they could really, really use. I mean, it's it's been very impressive to watch Wake Forest. Um, I know Forbes thinks Jake's an NBA player. Um, yeah, you know he's been telling me about him since the off season. It, it's funny, like watching Wake. You know, the, it sit here and and position itself to make the NCAA tournament. I, I was talking to Forbes a few weeks ago, and he was like, "I got a coach. I got to play two Hall of Fame coaches and Tony Bennett. You know, in back to back to back games." He's like, "What? What are we doing?" And because uh, it, it was Syracuse, Duke, and Virginia, and he was like, "I got it. 
I got to go Bayheim, Shashevsky, Bennett, back to back to back. And I said, you're better than two of those teams. And they are. And he's like good. Like Steve Forbes is a good coach. Like, I don't know why he's, I mean, that's like, I remember one time you and I were talking to Steve Forbes in Vegas until the early hours yeah, of the morning. Well, was this talk. Just like, maybe, a, you don't have to you maybe don't need to be too detailed on that. No, I know. I'll stop yeah, it there. Just, but like we, you know, he's just like a down home guy, like a really good dude, really nice human being. And I think that he often can undervalue how good he is. I mean, he is a great, great basketball coach. He's unbelievable. And I think that like he deserves some flowers in some regard. Wait, was this night you're referencing? Was this the night? Was Nick Nurse there? I don't know. I don't there was one that. night. There was one night. Uh, Forbes was like, hey, uh, one of my uh, longtime friends, you know, we uh, we're both from Iowa. Um, he's going to come <laughs> join us. He coaches in the G League. His name's Nick Nurse. I was like, yeah, sure. Tell him to come on. I don't, I don't think maybe so it, it would have been. I don't know. But so it was, it was we, me. We were in Cosmo for a while that night. OK, like, so no, I, nothing, I, nothing bad happened. Normally, no, yeah, it was nothing bad. Like, it was just totally yeah, sitting yeah, around yeah. having conversations. But like my point is, um, I had no idea who Nick Nurse was. This is before Nick Nurse <laughs> became Nick Nurse, head coach of the Raptors World Championship coach. So but I, I, I didn't remember who else was there, but I knew it was me for Nick Nurse. And at one point, like it's late and um, we're talking and Nick's like, so where are you from? I'm like uh, Memphis. And he goes. Uh, he goes, oh, we just signed one of their, one of y'all's players. I want to say it was James Johnson, maybe, or somebody. I don't remember. And he was like, uh, he's like, yeah, nobody knows it yet. He's like, oh, you, you could break it. Just break it. <laughs> so if you go find this, like four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> I like break the, the Raptors. At four o'clock in the morning in some July, I like break that the Raptors had just signed James Johnson or somebody like from the chandelier bar at the Cosmopolitan. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally searching. woke up in my mentions were all crazy and I didn't remember doing it. I don't, I didn't remember why I didn't understand why my mentions were crazy with like Raptors fans. I was like, what is this about? And then I was like, Oh, I forgot. I tweeted that last night, July 10th, 2014. Dude, did you find it? Dude, <laughs> was it time? How late was this timestamp on this tweet? Is 3:42 a.m. NBA news: Grizz free agent James Johnson has agreed in principle to a two-year contract with the Raptors. A source told CBS Sports. <laughs> that was Nick Nurse at the Cosmopolitan. <laughs> oh my goodness! 3:42 in the morning. Uh, I, I was not there. I was, I was definitely not there with you at that point. Twenty. I, I don't think I was either. I, I think that was uh, that was before. I was probably before I got hired. That's probably the summer before I got hired. Maybe, but I'm not positive. Um, okay, uh, Kansas beats K-State. Got they come back from 16th. First of all, if you're a K-State fan, like your hatred for the Jayhawks will burn into eternity for games exactly like this. Down 16 at half. It was the biggest comeback in program history with a halftime deficit that big. Kansas has now beaten K-State. 14 of the last 15 times these teams have played, the win happened to come a day removed from Bill Self losing his father. And this was, I'm going to play the audio for, via the uh, K-State men's basketball Twitter account, just about uh, 20 seconds here. So uh, normally don't hear Bill Self get emotional, but he gets a little bit choked up here as he's talking with his team after they had their celebration winning this game. You guys know this. <sighs> 
this one means something to me. So, thank you. All right, keep changing. Yes, sir. Proud of you guys. Really proud of you guys. Okay, family. One, two, three. Family! Good win for Kansas. Uh, I will have a Kansas-related question for Vassini in a few minutes here, but that's a nice, nice win to keep them in the uh, in chasing uh, the Big 12 championship and one seed conversation, all that good stuff. A couple more quick ones. UAB won over Louisiana Tech. Parrish and I both got that wrong. UAB kind of sneakily might be able to build an at-large resume. They're still going to have to get some wins, but getting that win on the road was big. That'll be a quad one win. Georgetown, oh, by the way, is 0-5 for the, in the Big East. It's never happened before. Georgetown has never started 0-5 in Big East play. Uh, that's a problem. And the biggest comeback of the weekend, Army-Navy, 27-point deficit. Sixth largest comeback in NCAA history, according to Dave Warlock, who works with the NCAA, does a great, great job. And so, yeah, big time, big time win for the cadets. 27 down. One more thing for you. Isaiah Mosley, GP mentioned the Loyola Chicago loss. Isaiah Mosley had 40 for Missouri State in that game. He and Liberty's Darius McGee are the only players to have at least 40 in two games this season. Missouri State's 15 and 6. Uh, Loyola Chicago had a 30 game win streak at home. That was the fourth longest in college basketball. So let me just ask you this. Is Isaiah Mosley a viable NBA prospect? And by that, I mean, you know, I don't know where the status of your top 100 board is at this point, but would he be on it or is he under consideration? Yeah, he'd be on the top 100. I'm honestly taking today after we get done here and kind of scrubbing the top 100 and running through it. He'll definitely be on it. I mean, here's the other thing too with Mosley. He's had 40 in two of their biggest games this year because the other game they had 40 was against Northern Iowa when him and AJ Green I watched that game they were just going off back and forth against each other it was essentially like one of them would come down the court make a three Isaiah Mosley come down drive finish like it was an unbelievable game so he's picked his spots at the absolute biggest possible time for Missouri State this year yeah I mean anytime you're six five six six like he is and uh, can score in the way that he can, you're going to get looks from NBA teams. There's no doubt about that. Dig it. Um, Not sure how I feel about having an Isaiah Mosley and an Isaiah Mobley. It's a problem, right? It's By the way, Isaiah, Isaiah Mosley, not spelled the way you think it might be spelled. Learned that lesson on uh, on Saturday there. Um, all right, before we get to the Sam Q&A special, I'm loving the mic time for our guy here, GP. Uh, Monday games to know, Virginia Tech at UNC. Uh, 8 o'clock Eastern ACC Network, and then Texas Tech at Kansas, 9 Eastern on ESPN. Those are really the two that you need to worry about are the the, the mainstream games to know there. Um, Texas Tech continues to prove itself viable. Top 15 status. Mark Adams doing a great job there. Virginia Tech, by the way, along with Virginia, we talk about teams that are letdowns. Virginia Tech's near the top of that list. Was expected to be an NCAA tournament team, has careened way off course. We'll see if it can get right against UNC. UNC has three consecutive home games, and it needs to get right. And then Tuesday... We've got Michigan State at Illinois. Uh, Illinois, we'll see if it can get back uh, back on track there. That's certainly an intriguing one. That's 7 Eastern tip. Texas at TCU at 9 Eastern. Real thought the Big 12 can get 8 into the tournament here, and TCU beating Texas at home would go a long way to that. Another 9 Eastern tip that is gorgeous. Boise State won over the weekend. I think it's 11 in a row for the Broncos. They won like 42-37. Uh, Marcus Shaver hit a three-pointer in the closing seconds. He's hit buckets in, I think, back-to-back games. 42-37, but Boise State gets the win. 12 in a row for the Broncos. They're going to host Wyoming Mountain West for a bid league. You heard it here first. That will be happening. They've got five teams, I think, top 65 in Kempom as we speak. So that's a 9 Eastern tip on Tuesday. And then the biggie, UCLA, hosting Arizona. Fans back in Pauley. 
11 Eastern, another late night. 11 Eastern here means what time for you, Sam, out in Australia? 11 Eastern would be, oh, God, you're making me do math. I think 3 o'clock uh, p.m. That's glorious time. right now. <laughs> it's beautiful. That, a three in the afternoon. UCLA got through its road trip, got wins over Colorado and Utah to get to 13-2. and two. Arizona got through the weekend. Big time, big time. Rare Tuesday, non-Pac-12 network matchup between Pac-12 teams. This game is obviously happening at that point because there were previous postponements, so we get a nice little cozy Tuesday night Pac-12 matchup. Any thoughts, GP? I have no thoughts. All right, you ready? <laughs> no, I, like I'm looking for – like UCLA and Arizona are, are both – you know, you know, Arizona's at this point, top five, basically everywhere, UCLA, you know, borderline top 10, either just on the inside of it, outside of it. Um, the, the, both of these teams need a big game. You know, it's, it's been a minute um, since they played a high profile game. And so I, I can't wait for that one. That, that is obviously the, the, the game of the night um, uh, on, on Tuesday night. And one of them will, you know, obviously pick up a, a, a big, big signature win. All right. Um, before we get to uh, acknowledging Paris's birthday at the very end, I wanted to have listeners who might not be as familiar with Sam Vecini to get to know him a little bit. So I'm going to have a little bit of a rapid fire Q&A with Sam here off the top of your head. OK, just one after another after another. OK, he doesn't know what questions are coming, by the way. So some hoops. Some ask hoops. another ask another Eddie House question. I dare you to try it. Don't you come at me with Eddie House facts. I'm ready. House stuff, man. Unbelievable. Uh, so before we get, this is the unofficial question before we get into the officials. First of all, what's the name of the of the podcast you host? If people are enjoying you here, where can they find all of your other thoughts in the podcast realm, Sam? Yeah, go to the Game Theory Podcast uh, with Sam Vecini. Uh, you can find it on all of your beautiful podcasting platforms. You can find it on YouTube as well. Uh, yeah, just go listen to me. I have on Matt Penny once a week. We talk about the NBA draft, and I have uh, a variety of guests from The Athletic on to talk about the NBA. And as I set the table for these questions, you live in Australia, but where specifically, what city or do you live in in Australia? I live in Melbourne, and I live in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. So if people don't know where Melbourne is, if you look at Australia, is that bottom right, top right, top left, bottom left, smack in the middle where nothing lives? Where is that exactly? Bottom right. Bottom right. Here we go. We ready? You, you, I'm you, ready. you, Let's do it. you, you put, you put me in a game of risk. Let me set up shop in Australia and see what happens to you. <laughs> I'll come out of there firing. You will win. I, I don't have doubts there. You will win. I love 22 risk. questions with Sam Vecini. Let's roll. Rank your five favorite sports to watch in order. Go. Uh, basketball, probably what hockey. What kind uh, of basketball? NBA or college? Probably. Look, if I'm being real about it, probably the NBA and then college basketball is my top two. Uh, and then I would say probably hockey and then, oh, God. Uh, Australian football is up there. I have a great time watching Australian football and baseball. Great base. There's nothing like great baseball. Like uh, you give me a seven game series, uh, game seven. There's nothing like baseball. Number two, NBA draft trope or cliche that bothers you most is. Oh God. Um, that the NCAA tournament matters more than all of the other games. It's kind of true, but not to the extent that people think it is. Question three, who is the most overrated draft prospect in college right now? Who is the most overrated draft prospect in college right now? Oh, that's a great, great question. 
I would say Trevor Keels is up there because I know some people have Trevor Keels like around the top 10, and I'm less convinced of that. Who is the most underrated draft prospect in college right now? <sighs> yeah, I think that people aren't talking enough about Ochag Baji. Uh, he's what, top three in the country in scoring right now? He's 6'5, 6'10 wingspan, good defender, knocks down 45% of his threes. Those guys just play in the NBA for a long time. Who is the most properly rated college prospect right now? Uh, I mean, probably like Johnny Davis or Jabari Smith. One of those guys that's in the top five. I think that's right. Rank these four movies from best to worst. John Wick, John Wick 3, Knives Out, The Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, John Wick, John Wick 3, Edge of Tomorrow, Knives Out, and I love them all. How old is Gary Parrish? Mm. 43? What is your first memory of Gary Parrish? My first, and this is a good one. I actually wanted to close with this. So this will be, let's close with that one. Close with it. You got it. What is your, uh, what is the best thing about living in Australia? Uh, honestly, the work schedule is really great. Uh, the weather's great, but the work schedule for me is awesome. It's essentially like working a nine to five. What's the worst thing about living in Australia? Um, the timing is also complicated for keeping like relationships with people in the United States, obviously. Okay. What about living in Australia is the most similar to living in the United States in your day to day? What would be the um, most? Well, honestly, it is just like the day to day. Like it's, it's very, it's exactly like living in the United States just with accents. Do you believe in the concept of multiple universes? Mm, weirdly, no. I believe in a lot of stuff like that. I don't believe in that one. All right. We'll talk offline about that. True or false. You have attended a concert in the past four years. Oh, do concerts associated with the NCAA tournament no. count? Then no. No shock there. Rank these four cheeses from worst to best. Cheddar, goat, Swiss, brie. Goat, brie, Swiss, cheddar. Goat, brie, Swiss, cheddar. Swiss is the worst. Over under 10 million human beings existing on Earth 500 years from today, January 23rd, 2522. Uh, over. I will also be hopeful with you and go over. Make the yeah. sound of a video game saying game over. Game over. That's your game over? Paris, can I get your game over? Game over. Game over. Next question. You sound like Christian Bale's Batman. What are you doing? Video game. Here we go. Country you've never been to that you want to most visit is? Oh, my wife and I have been talking about this very much uh over the last anywhere in europe i've never been to europe so literally the entire continent that's not an answer give me a country in europe oh um italy go see the ancestors absolutely lives up to the hype who is better auburn or gonzaga auburn who is worse kansas or duke kansas but i think they're both really good Hubert Davis, Chris Beard, Tommy Lloyd, Shaka Smart, TJ Otzelberger. Which of those five coaches will last longest as the head coach at their current school? Uh, Tommy Lloyd. Mm, 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 yeah. Really? We're saying Tommy Lloyd, because I think that he'll have to stay at Arizona instead of going back to Gonzaga. Okay. Uh, Drew Timmy is in college next year. Yes or no? Yes. Uh, look, based off of draft stock, yes. Uh, I mean, I don't know what he wants to do. Like, I haven't talked to the kid. Your biggest NBA prospect miss was who? Biggest miss biggest evaluation. Miss. 
I'm trying to think of college. The biggest miss is probably Rudy Gobert. I was just not a fan at all from watching him um, over in France, watching the tape there. But if we're thinking college, I, I don't know. I always say Rudy Gobert because that's the one. Mine's Marvin your- Bagley. Bagley? Bagley's up there. I liked Marvin. Yeah. Mine was Steve Blake. What is your first memory of Gary Parrish? My first memory of Gary Parrish. And this is uh, this is where the happy birthday comes in, buddy. Because my first memory of Gary Parrish is to get the job at CBS. I had to go through a process of interviewing people. Tony Moss, for instance. Everyone like that. Shout to and Tony Moss. Absolutely. Shout out Tony Moss. Just one of the absolute best people on the planet. And I was at the time working at Nielsen and was just writing about basketball on the side and happened to get noticed. Right. And I think that Tony really liked me in the interview and was like, are we really going to hire this dude? I'm going to send him through to Gary and like, try to get an understanding here. Right. So my first memory of Gary Parrish is leaving the Nielsen office in Los Angeles, going to the parking lot and essentially doing a job interview with Gary Parrish where he couldn't have been the best couldn't have been more accommodating couldn't have been a better human being couldn't have been more uh willing to listen to me throughout the entire conversation and gary could have literally killed that job uh on the spot i would venture and he didn't and i'm eternally grateful to him uh happy birthday buddy uh that's very sweet here's um uh Here's what happened. Here's the truth. Like, I don't have hiring and firing power, obviously. But I do no. think probably if I go back to Tony Moss and just say, this ain't it, um, right. I, I don't think they would d- d- do it anyway. Um, here's the truth. When that job opened, I had somebody else in mind, somebody I was just more familiar with. I, I, yep. it, being completely frank, I think I told you this. I wasn't that familiar with you at the time. And um, there was there was somebody I had in mind. And I was like, this is the person we should try to hire. I think they'll take the job and I think they'll be good. And I remember Tony coming to me and saying, hey, I hear you and I'm receptive to that and we might do it. But, hey, will you talk to this other guy first? Just talk to him, have a conversation with him. Let me know how it goes. Let me know what you think. And so Sam and I set it up somehow. I don't remember that, but like to to get on the phone and we spent however much time on the phone together. And I remember when I went back to Tony, I said, "Uh, I see what you see. He's really sharp and I get it. I, and I'm glad you made me talk to him because um, I'm open-minded for it now. And if you hire him, that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I, I remember just being impressed in a way that I, um, I don't want to say I didn't expect it. I just had no idea what to expect at all. And yeah. I, I went into it thinking we need to hire this guy. And I came out of it thinking um, the, the smart move is probably to hire Sam. I remember cause Parrish called me and he said, listen, I, there's this guy, Sam Vecini and you're not going to believe it, but we are going to, um, we are going to never let this dude talk on this podcast. <laughs> like, like, I think he can give us some good stuff with NBA draft. I think he likes college basketball. Yeah. He's a really smart guy. Um, we are going to dominate this guy in this podcast. Like that, that's, that's become Neither a running, a running joke. Um, and, and it, it, because it's rooted in a real thing, it's became a joke because it was rooted in a real thing. I, I, um, I struggle. Well, I, was, I was in. I I struggle um, getting everybody equal shot attempts when it's just two of us. And so I especially struggle with three. And if you want to know why, because I've thought about this before, why can't I just shut up? 
It's because I have been doing a radio show by myself for 13 years. I am used to talking for two hours by myself every day. And it, where it can also get complicated, and I've got it figured out now, I think, but um, on television. Because I go straight from radio making points over 15-minute segments. I'm, ta- I'm making a point about something, speaking about it for 15 minutes. And now I'm in a television studio, and you got to make that same point, but we need it in 35 seconds. And that's a, that's a weird contrast. Talk for 15 straight minutes. Now do the same thing, but 35 seconds. All right, now 15 minutes, 35 seconds. And um, and so I, I think that's the root of it, is that I'm so used to talking for long periods of time that I just talk for long periods of time. And it can become problematic with just two, especially problematic with three. Like I see some of these other podcasts, it's like they got five people. And I'm like, I just, I would want no part of that. Yeah, here's the thing. So hosting my own podcast now, uh, I get it. <laughs> it. It's hard. Like I look at the, like I, I edit the podcast as well. I look at the audio files, right? You can see how long you've talked. I mean, it's bad. <laughs> okay. By the way, Jeff, Jeff Borzello has been waiting for 45 minutes to enter this thing. But there's just not, you know what? Our apologies to Jeff Borzello. We ran out of time. We'll try and get him in the next time and all that good stuff. But you're absolutely uh you're right. GP, what tomorrow, our guy, 50. What are we doing to celebrate, my man? No. For the record, 45. 45 is the number. I was born in 1977. 45 is the number. What are we doing to celebrate? Um, uh, I'm going to wake up early, uh, pre-tape a radio show, and fly to New York City. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, my, my family's downstairs right now, like, actually waiting on me and waiting for you <laughs> yes. they had no idea that i was doing the same thing so my yeah so uh no we'll, we'll 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 celebrate tonight whatever that looks like um I, I think anybody who knows me knows i'm not big on birthdays like oh it's my birthday it's like everybody has a birthday shut up there's nothing special about you. everybody it, literally everybody has a birthday it's not it's not the biggest deal i know that's not uh, a popular sentiment um uh, but i don't personally like i don't get worked up on birthdays like when i get text messages happy birthday they're, they're I mean this as nicely as I can, but they're more bothersome than they are nice. It's like, because you have to reply to them all. Thank God for the little thumbs up thing now. You can just get them with a thumbs up and it's like, you can right. be done with that. Um, like I, uh, So I don't get real caught up on birthdays. So even my wife is like, you know, do you want to make dinner plans for Sunday night? And I'm like, you know what? The truth is I left for New York last Monday, came home Thursday, left for Auburn on Friday, got home after midnight. I'm tired. I, I want to, uh, let's just hang out at the house. It'll be great kids everything it'd be perfect and um and then i'll wake up on monday and do what i do on mondays so we'll have a you know we'll have a nice dinner tonight and i'm sure uh you know there'll be cake and candles and that kind of stuff and then watch the rest of a football game go to sleep and uh that'll be it you know i've done 44 of these before it's not i'm, I'm i don't want to say i'm over it i'd like to have another 45 right Absolutely. but uh but i don't i don't need big birthday celebrations although i was supposed to be having a big birthday celebration we were supposed to be in las vegas this weekend but you but know we, what? You got to do Auburn, Kentucky instead. And yeah, to be honest, that was the better choice. That was the better. Well, there's no thing. question. Like, no question. you know, not even close. Well, no, if I would have told my bosses, hey, I did, this is an awesome opportunity, <laughs> but I've already booked a trip to Las Vegas. Um, they would have they would have said, OK, like, I don't know how happy they would have been, uh, but they they would not have forced me to go to Auburn on four days notice. But um First off, when your boss is asking, here's some career advice for you. When your boss is asking you to do something and they say they need you, 
you, you be there for them. So, uh, so I said yes within seconds. And, um, and then, yeah, like what, what would I sitting here tonight on a Sunday night, what would I rather spent this weekend doing being goofy in Las Vegas or, you know, getting to be on big CBS at Auburn, Kentucky. Like it's not even close. I, I was, I, I was looking forward to not working this weekend. I'm glad I worked this weekend. I guess that's the best way to put it. Now it's wrapped with you talking to Sam Vecini. We love it. If you had not been here, this would have been a me and Sam pod, by the way. How about that? Yeah, chopping it up. For it. I was going to, that would have been unannounced, open the feed, completely unannounced, surprise the whole listeners. By the way, I got, I got a stink bug that's been chilling with me here for like 15 what? minutes. Look at this thing. Look at this thing. Alive. This thing's alive. Look at this thing. We reached, reached the point of the podcast where Dead Leg is bragging about his bugs. <laughs> you, think I'm, you think I'm bragging? I got little Jerry here hanging out. Get him out of here. These things, no good. No good. Didn't grow up with them. Suddenly, they're everywhere. Um, If you have not already, please click the like button, whether you're watching live or after the fact. This was a long podcast, but it was worth it. Happy birthday to our buddy, Gary Parrish. Find him on Twitter, at Gary Parrish CBS. Please wish him a happy birthday. Sam, it was wonderful have you here i'm glad we could successfully pull this off also thanks to of course our producer nada kanada edwards who helped uh helped the whole gambit uh get done it was great to have you back on the podcast sam it had been too long please find him game theory podcast with sam vicini what's your twitter handle if people are unfamiliar with you on the social media outlets uh sam underscore vicini you go with the underscore man I okay. you know you know why i did that because there's a space between my first name and my last name. How about that? How about Sorry, that? Right? I guess. You went the Kyle Boone route. Just the Kyle Boone, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Um, strong, strong jaw. That's right. You got anything else here? Nope. Shout him out. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Matt Saman, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Iowa College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Do you see what they did to that tennis player down there? He thought he was going to get over on him. Not in Australia, buddy. You're not getting over on him in Australia. Take that stuff. Got to cut the feed. Got to cut the feed. Take that that (laughs) stuff somewhere else. He thought he was going to try to get over him. Not in Australia. What a dumb pandemic this has turned into. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars at both places. Please. And at the Apple Podcast, you can leave a review. Please leave a nice one. There's more of us than there are of them. There's more of us than there are of them. Don't ever, don't ever let them trick you into thinking otherwise. If you're on YouTube, do you know what he's talking about, Sam? No. Okay. I almost forked that into the questions, but yeah. Sam's got no idea what you're talking about. Right they now. try to shame us into being promoters of, uh, of premarital sex, and I insist that um, there's more of us than there are of them, and we shouldn't. <laughs> Sam, them overwhelm- no, Sam, you- since you're here, do you ever have premarital G- sex? How much premarital sex? Yes, did you have? but GP, don't get fired on your birthday, please. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is a feature of the podcast now. Yeah, I, I'm not going to have premarital sex on the podcast. What, is, what has happened since I've left? Normally, I just have me locked in the garage and just like I can't even hear the show. Like, what has happened? Every time we, every time we bring it up, and I swear I wasn't even going to bring it up. You did this this time, Deadlegs. I, I knew he did not know what you were talking about. And I want to get him. We need, by the way, we need we need his stance. Hold on, hold on, hold yeah, on. Where, 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 what's your official position on premarital sex? Four. Yeah, okay. that's, that's There's more of us than there are of them. That's all I've ever said. That's all I've ever said. But the people who are anti-premarital sex, 
they they leave bad reviews. And so we need good reviews from the people who are for premarital sex because there's more of us than there are of them. If you're on YouTube, please smash the like button. Brandon Davies would do it. He cost himself a whole possible trip to the Final Four because he wanted to smash. He risked something tangible to smash. And you guys aren't risking anything. So go smash the like button. You're risking nothing. Brandon Davies would do it. And we're going to talk to you again on Wednesday morning. Till then, take care. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.